0: Welcome back. Nine minutes past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. New study out from Wharton's Business School, and it has some implications for your career and for your business if you're a business owner. Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com joins us with the details. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill. How are you today? Doing great. Uh,
1: Did you lose your power last night? We did not lose our power, but we lost two trees. Oh man! Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, so the chainsaw is coming out, and I, you know, I I like doing chainsaw work to damn. begin with. Yeah, and now you got firewood for the winter. So, oh man, I love that. I absolutely love this stuff. Well, so. we have to say, uh, for
0: a lot of folks, uh, Faith Radio is based here in the Twin Cities, and we had a big storm move through last night. A lot of damage, and if you suffered that, we. Uh, We're sorry to hear that. We'll be praying for you. Um, And I just know, uh, as I was driving many of the streets last night, just seeing some of the trees down and cars in various states of disrepair, uh, didn't see any cars actually hit by trees. But that's that's often. One of the uh, the perils that we face in these big uh, thunderstorms. That come yeah, through. it
1: is actually one of the trees that came down was right next to my wife's potting shed that I built last summer. Oh wow! So my, you know, I needed my garage back, and so I built my wife a potting shed so that she could move all of her stuff out of the garage into the shed. And the tree. Just missed oh. our potting shed. So I was happy about that. The potting shed has been spared. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. So, Bill, let's let's talk uh, business for a second. Most Faith Radio listeners who have held a job uh, have been through an annual performance review. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, those can be a little bit uh, intimidating. There is a new study out on those reviews, which really could change the way we think about this whole uh, performance review
1: uh, Process. Who did the research? What did they find, Bill? So first of all, the research was done by uh, Horton's uh, School of Business, and uh, that's one of the top MBA programs in the nation. So we're not talking about uh, just some little study from some minor MBA program somewhere. Uh, This is Horton, and what they did was they went into a Fortune 50 company, and they looked at the performance appraisals over a 10-year period, and they weren't sure what they were going to find. Uh, but most people thought that performance appraisals were rather effective and that if you were an A player this year, chances are probably 75, 80 percent that next year you're going to be an A player again. And this is kind of built off of the old Jack Welch model that says there's A and B and C players and we always should fire our bottom 10 percent and rehire and try to keep in, you know, uh, upgrading our employee base. Well, what they found uh, was something very different. First of all, they found that there is very little evidence that top performers uh, in one year will also be top performers in the coming years. In fact, people could move up and down that gradation between A, B, and C over a, a multi-year period relatively easily. Uh, they found that only 27% of those who are A players this year are going to be A players next year or and are going to be A players the year after. In fact, sometimes your C players became A players within a year. Really, uh, just by the fact that there's that much variation in the quality of our work output, and so uh, the they really are are, uh, are are finding that performance appraisals are not good predictors for how a person is going to do uh, within the next year. Secondly, um, they found that if you changed managers during the year, that that really didn't have any uh, uh, consistent effect on scores. And finally, um, there was really no support in their uh, model or in their research to support the notion that there are always A, B, and C players. Uh, There are people who are doing the best they can most of the time, and sometimes their best just isn't an A Spot, And mm. I know this, you know, I, I uh, when I managed my company, um, we, uh, for whatever reason, God kept bringing to us employees who were going through divorces. We would hire them, they were fine, a few months later, they'd be starting a divorce. And I can tell you that during that six to nine month period when they were getting divorced, their work quality just went down. And there's not thing one you're going to do about that. Uh, people 's outside lives influence their in work production, and there 's not really a whole lot you can do about that it 's interesting because there are so many
0: uh, external issues that can affo- affect your work performance oh, sure and divorce certainly one of them a uh, medical crisis, an issue with a child, uh, an elderly parent that you 've got to care for, um, you know some kind of a, a financial issue outside of your your workish your work sure. situation. And those, all of those factors are going to, you know, impinge on that employee's performance. One thing you said earlier that I thought was interesting changing managers doesn't seem to make a big difference. And yet, I mean, you and I both know this there are great supervisors and there are really difficult supervisors. And the, the question for me would be, if you've got a really difficult supervisor who, who's making your life miserable on the job, it would seem like your work performance would probably suffer.
1: Well, it will, and you probably will leave that job. Uh, most people leave a manager before they leave a company is really how we look at it. But a lot of managers have what is, is called this fundamental attribution bias, where uh, the the uh, typical uh, illustration here is that if a person speeds by you on the freeway, you're probably going to think negatively of them. Um, maybe not attributing to them the fact that they might be in an emergency and that they don't normally drive this way. You know, you, you're probably going to give them some kind of a negative attribution. Uh, I don't know how many managers exist in the world today who see one <clears throat> bad performance out of an employee and that's how they view that employee forever mm. and they never can actually can never get get by it there can be
0: other evidence that they're doing a great job right and so they blow it on one project and again there may be extenuating circumstances there but that that uh business manager that supervisor does not cut them any slack as christians it would seem that in our, our work as Christian managers, there should be at least a hint of grace and mercy in the way that we deal with our employees, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, you would like to think that, but my experience, having been managed by both uh, Christians and non-Christians, is that uh, the Christians are no different. Mm. They really are no different. They're, <clears throat> when it comes to management, uh, Christians can be some of the most ruthless people I've ever worked for. Yikes. Sorry, but it's true. That's not good to hear. Um, yeah, no, it's really not good to hear. But there's there's a, something else that maybe we ought to uh, take over here on the other side of the break, and that is uh, that their their study showed that a company needs to decide if the employer-employee relationship is primarily contractual or primarily relational. Because you're going to have a contract, so to speak, where you have a job uh, uh, description, and he lists out all the duties that, that they want you to do, and perhaps the performance appraisal is going to ask you to line up against that job description. But the reality of what you do on a day-to-day basis is so vastly divergent and um, uh, different from your job description that it's going to be very hard for that performance appraisal to really uh, match up um, and, and assess how well you're doing in your
0: job. Mm. So if you're on the job today and you have a job performance review coming up, or maybe you're a supervisor, stick with us. We'll also talk about the importance of ongoing feedback and why that makes such a difference in the life of your employee and the success of your business. That's all coming up here on the Faith Radio Network. For every translator on the field, we need at least two volunteers. There's a role for you in the ministry of Bible translation. If you're willing, you can help. On a computer, sewing machine, a car, on a ladder, there's work you can do. Learn how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer. Call 800-THE-WORD. Would I do this again? In a heartbeat. Make a difference. Call us at 800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org.
1: Here's what's ahead on the next Connecting Faith.
0: This past Monday, we celebrated our freedom as a nation. And yet today, many Americans, especially our government, is in bondage to debt. So how do we achieve personal financial freedom? And what is God's design for how we manage our resources? We'll get practical biblical advice from Howard Dayton on the next Connecting Faith. From his years of teaching how to handle money God's way, we'll find our way to financial
1: freedom. Listen for Connecting Faith weekdays at noon on Faith Radio.
0: Good morning. Welcome back. It's a Wednesday, midweek. Bill Meyer here on the Faith Radio Network. Great to have you with us. 19 past the hour. My guest, Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. We're talking about performance reviews and some new research out of the Wharton Business School, one of the top MBA programs in the country, saying that you know what? These performance reviews are not really predictive. They really can't tell you who the best employees are going to be a year from now. In fact, uh, people can swap. The The worst employees can become the best, and the best can become the worst, or at least kind of drop off the, the radar screen when it comes to performance. So, Bill... What does this all mean for for businesses and for nonprofit organizations, including churches? Because a lot of big churches do performance reviews on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, it, it means that you need to align your performance reviews with what the person actually does. And what happens in a lot of smaller businesses is that a person comes in and gets hired to do uh, you know duties A, B, and C. And within a year, they're doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and J, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, – and that's because um, I think uh, just more hats get put on a person as uh, as they prove themselves in one area. Uh, management comes along and says, well, great, now that you can do this, why don't you do that? And they just kind of load them up. Um, performance uh, appraisals are never fun for anyone. Nobody likes them. And I think a lot of people don't find them to be all that helpful. It's just kind of something, you know. We just kind of go through the motions. Kind of HR makes you do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and the lawyers make HR do it. <laughs> so, I would think that uh, that what we really need to move away from, not away from, is formal performance reviews. We still need to have them, but I would downplay them in favor of more often getting alongside of a person and coaching them and helping them uh, with with both coaching and, and more frequent. Uh, positive, constructive feedback that helps them in their performance on the job. For example, I know that uh, every day after the show you guys have a uh, post-show meeting and you just quickly go over what went right, what went wrong, that kind of thing. Those kinds of things are very helpful in terms of uh, employees coming along and saying, well, how am I doing? You know, I've been here three months, I've been here six months, and that kind of thing. One of the metrics that we used when I was running my business was this learn-do-deliver matrix, and we would set it out on 30, 60, 90, and 180 days. So what do you need to learn in in the next 30, 60, 90, 180 days? What do you need to do in the next 30, 60, 90, 180 days? And what do you need to deliver back to the company in the next 30, 60, 90, 180 days? And we found that to be very helpful. And if there were bottlenecks or there were problems, then we also looked at do you have the right resources to get done what you need to get done, and are you um, do you have enough authority to make the decisions that your job would need in order to uh, get the things done that we 've asked you to do? So those were some things that we did there. Now, part of the performance review
0: uh, process involves the the professional development plan, and I've done many of those myself where you have to say, okay, here are my goals. Here's what I plan to do. Here's the areas I plan to improve in. Are those those actually helpful?
1: Those are really, really helpful if they're done right. I know of a company up in Elk River, Minnesota, 300-person company. Every employee has their own action plan. And it's about their career. And the company realizes that most of those kids and careers are not going to be at their company. So what they're coming along is that they're saying to the employee, how can we make you the best you? That, that you can be while you're here at our company, knowing that you're going to move on to other companies. But we're still gonna invest in you because that's part of our um, theology and our philosophy in life. I tell you what, people tend to stick around then longer because they want to absorb more from that employer before they go on. That's a radical concept though. They're looking
0: beyond their own needs. They're saying, how can we yeah. invest in you for your future? Because we know, and especially with millennials, we know how many times they're going to be pr- predicted to change jobs in a lifetime.
1: I mean, it's, it's astounding. Well, yeah, and, and, but, think, but think about the kingdom impact that you can have on somebody when they know that you're a Christian business owner, and yet you're investing in their career path that is going to take them away from your business. Mm. Now, think about how that influences how they think about Christians in general and about God in general. I think that's a powerful thing.
0: it's a it's really a, an unselfish uh, motivation. Yeah. It's saying, you know as the, as the CEO, as the supervisor, as the manager, I'm looking at this person and their lifelong career trajectory. I'm going to invest in them, uh, and as you said, so they have kingdom impact wherever they go. What a great! I, I love
1: that, Bill, and I wish
0: that more Christian businesses would would adopt that philosophy.
1: I do too. I wish more ministries would do that for people who are in ministry and who are serving the kingdom. You know, what can we do to help you grow and become the best you that you can be? And that's a fundamental question, and that really fulfills one of those four purposes that I have at the Bible and Business in our Christian business reference architecture, one of the four purposes that God has for business. One of them is to develop the passions and the talents of the people that are in your company, uh, really for the glory of, of God and for the kingdom. Uh, it, it's really just a wonderful thing to do. It's all about stewardship. Bill, uh, yeah, it th- is.
0: thank you so much. Bill English, com. Bill has some great resources there. I would encourage you to go there, read that entire business architecture, the new
1: book. Uh, coming Oh, up. man. You know, I haven't been able to work on that thing for about six weeks. You know how this goes. I, I do.
0: But sometime <laughs> Sometimes soon. That'll be coming out. Yes, it's coming. Yeah. But while, while, he's deli- while he's finishing the book, you can get some great info. Bibleandbusiness.com. Thanks, Bill. You bet. 25 past the hour. This is Faith Radio.